Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Everyone, you are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. My name is Jordan Hall, and I am joined as always by the awesome Katie Emmer. And we are absolutely ecstatic to be joined by Mr. Playoffs, Danny Briere. Danny, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. It's uh, it's fun to be here. It's fun that uh, we're talking hockey again. You know what, Danny, we talk about these little like background drum rolls that we need to add in post and our producer, Ben Barry, hopefully is listening to this one. We need to add a little drum roll too. I mean, this is great. I love that you say Mr. Playoffs, of course. Speaking of playoffs, of course, we have such a different circumstance right now. I am certain you have been keeping up with all of it. We'll get into the sort of recent, still recent news of this 2014 playoff format to Hub Cities. The Flyers will start out in a round robin to get going. What are your thoughts on this? And do you have any concerns as well? I, I'm excited. First of all, you know, just to have hockey back. Uh, I don't care um, if it's in the middle of the summer. I, I'm just excited that we'll have, you know, some hockey to watch. Any kind of sports, uh, to, to be honest, at this point. You know, we had golf going on today. I was all excited about that. But, but I can't wait for hockey. I always say that. You know, spring was my favorite time of the year uh, since I was a little boy. My dad would, would put up, you know, three, four TVs on, on game nights during the playoffs. That's what I grew up with. So um, I've always loved springtime when the playoffs would roll, roll around. Um, you know, we missed it this year. I don't care that it's in the middle of the summer. I'm looking forward to it. But um, like you mentioned, yes, I do have some concerns for, uh, for the Flyers. I think it's, it's great that, that they're in, that they're secure, that they don't have to uh, play in that, that playing portion. Uh, but at the same time, I'm a little worried because those teams that'll play, uh, play that play in part, um, will get a little advantage where they don't play that tough part, uh, you know, playoff hockey where, um, the intensity is at, at the max. And it's really tough when you get in the playoffs to take it from zero to 100, just, you know, uh, one night like that, they won't even have any, uh, preseason games to uh, to get ready for. So that's that's my little bit of con- concern for the Flyers. Well, yeah, and it's a complete equal playing field. You talk about the play-in. Some of these teams, even like Montreal, who knows what could happen here? All of the, the full healthy rosters, of course, the Flyers have that fortunately too. But it's such an equal playing field. What is yeah. this going to look like? We don't know. Nobody knows. Um, it, it's almost like starting uh, from scratch the season because anything can happen. And you saw beginning of the season. I mean, we saw last year Buffalo came out of the gate and, and they were hot and they didn't even make the playoffs. So who's going to come out of the gate hot again for, for this little stretch? Nobody knows. And like you mentioned, you know, what if Carey Price stands on his head and he takes Pittsburgh 
out of the playoffs in the first round. So, or in that play in part. Um, so, so we don't know, we don't know what to expect. Um, it's whoever's going to be able to, uh, get up to gear as, as fast as possible. I'm sure Alain Vigneault will, will use those round robin games to try to convince the guys that it, you got to play just like it's a playoff game. But at the end of the day, you know, we all know, the players all know that um, it's not the same intensity as a playoff game. It would be nice if the Flyers can jump up, you know, a, a spot or two and, and maybe have a better matchup in, the, in that first round. Uh, but you won't be able to reproduce that same intensity. Danny, another fascinating element to this is the no fans aspect. Can you envision playing these type of games in front of no fans? Just how difficult can that be? No, I, I have a hard time picturing it, to, to be honest with you, Jordan. Um, you know, especially after having a chance to play in Philadelphia for so many play, playoff games where, you know, the fans are a big part of the story. Um, and I remember playing against the Flyers coming into this building and, and, you know, I, I wouldn't say afraid, but like there's a little something different playing in Philadelphia uh, in front of those crazy fans. And, and I loved it, but I loved it even more when, when I, had, I had those fans behind me. So I think it's an area where, where it might hurt the Flyers a little bit more than, than other teams. Um, you know, just with the, how, how passionate the fans are, um, how crazy they get during the playoffs. Um, I'm certainly going to miss that side of it. Yeah, I mean, it's such an important factor, right, for the, those home fans, those Philly fans that are just uncomparable to any atmosphere. You know that very well, especially being out there on the ice. But with that, could you look at this maybe in a good way, Danny? I mean, there won't be any home ice advantage in this way. There's not going to be any fans, period. So for a player like Carter Hart, we were discussing, Jordan and I, maybe he, he'll play good on the road, considering that may, may have been a big factor for him on, on well, the road. Yeah, or playing it in a neutral site. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think the players will have to adjust the way they prepare for, for games, um, you know, and, and whoever is, you know, being able to adjust and mentally being able to get there in that zone and maybe pretend there's fans uh, will certainly might be able to get a, a little bit of an advantage. Danny, you were on the last Flyers playoff team to win a, a playoff series uh, or the last Flyers team to win a playoff series. Um, do you feel or did you get a sense that this team has something in it to, to go on a run and do you think it can kind of pick up where it left off? Yeah, it's, uh, it's the first time that um, since I retired and since I retired, I've had the chance to uh, watch this, these teams play, the Flyers play more often and, you know, study them a lot more. Um, this was the year that, um, you know, I, I probably had finally some some good vibes and some good, good feelings, the way uh, we talked about swagger earlier, you know, that, that swagger <laughs> that they, they have been carrying around coming down the stretch until just before, you know, we have to stop playing. Um, I was looking forward to the playoffs for, uh, for our Flyers, and um, hopefully they can reproduce that or they, they can keep that going whenever they come back. But it, it's going to be tough, and, um, you know, there's a little bit of a concern that, that maybe they have lost it during that, you know, four or five months uh, hiatus. Yeah, and I'll echo that. Hopefully we all can see some playoff hockey and, of course, our Flyers in the mix of it. But when you talk about, uh, I mean, going back to what I said, like, it, you know, it'll be hard to pick up where they left off. That'll be the same sort of for every single team, you would think. Correct. Um, and with that, I'll transition into the other part of news from the NHL, the return to play plan. Of course, we see that phase three will be uh, team training camps. Officially, we'll have a, a date of July 10th, which is very, very exciting out earlier today. 
But with uh, phase two starting here on Monday, uh, Skate Zone opened up. Six players uh, approximately is what the Flyers announced. And maybe more in the coming weeks you can expect, maybe more, especially with that training date, uh, training camp date. But with this, you know, you as a former player, of course you're excited to get on the ice, right? You, you have finally an ice sheet to get on, but you're wearing a mask throughout your workouts. There, there's so many different things. You're not allowed to, to see media. Of course, we only really care about that. Maybe you would be, okay, great. We don't have to do any media post-game practice interviews. But. Oh, no, I love dealing with the media. <laughs> <laughs> but away from that, no, it, you know, in all seriousness, how challenging would this be? You're happy, right? You're skating and you're working out, but it's not uh, the same. I, I, would, I would think so. I, I would think that most players are happy. Obviously, there's always guys that – will think differently or, you know, maybe they have some, some issues, uh, health issues that, that scares them a little bit. Uh, we, we've heard some comments from some of the players, but overall, um, the players that I've talked to, they're excited. They're excited to get back and uh, having a chance to play for the Stanley Cup. We always say you never know how many chances you're going to get, uh, how many cracks you're going to get at a Stanley Cup. And um, every time you're missing one, you know, the length of a career is, what, three or four years uh, every time you're missing that chance, it's uh, it's a chance that goes out the door. So the players want to fight for it for the most part. Um, they're excited to go back. They'll have to adjust to certain little things. Um, there's things that are going to be different, um, especially early on, uh, like you mentioned. But um, at the end of the day, when the games start, uh, it, it's going to be the same. You're, you're trying to, uh, to beat the other team. And you have to find ways to, to be the better team on the ice. And um, it, it's going to be different, uh, some differences until we get there. But uh, I can't wait for that, that first playoff game. Absolutely. We're, we're absolutely uh, thrilled and excited to, to be talking about games again, especially playoff ones, Danny. You scored so many big playoff goals in your time with the Flyers. With this team, do you see any specific X factor, maybe a player uh, that could have a, s a similar role to, that you did? Um, any guy that kind of stands out to you with this team? Well, there, there's many guys that can, and, that, and that's the fun part with this team. I, you look at the depth coming down the, the stretch for the Flyers, and that was the difference be between um, a, a lot of other teams that they were, they were beating is, is just their depth. You know, and you have guys like – Kevin Hayes that really stepped up, but also guys like uh, Nick uh, uh, Obey-Cubel, who, you know, nobody expected it to be in, him to be in the lineup early in the season, and he's coming up and, and making big, big plays. So, and I could go down the list, so many guys stepped up, but I, I think at the end of the day, um, the most important part for, uh, player for the, the Flyers will be uh, Carter Hart. Um, you know, if he can uh, steal a game or two here or there, uh, that could, could go a long way uh, in deciding how far the Flyers will go in the playoffs. Yeah, and you certainly have uh, had different coaches throughout your extensive career. And now, as you mentioned, you're alongside the Flyers. You're seeing this season, especially like individually, this season unfold. Elaine Vino, what makes him such a unique factor? You got it. You're always smiling when you're talking with this guy. At least we are as media members. Always love talking with him and also love his honesty, how transparent yeah. he is. When guys need to stand up, he'll say it like it is. Yeah, he's – there's, there's something special about him when, when you're, you don't want to disappoint him. And I think the, the players uh, feel the same way. Um, I think it comes from having coached, you know, so many teams um, – you know, how many wins, how many games has he coached in the NHL? And um, you look at his track record and where he's coached. And to me, that's what's impressive. He's coached in some of the toughest market, uh, markets around the NHL. When we talk about Vancouver, when we think about Montreal and the New York Rangers before he got to Philadelphia. So, um, you know, nothing seems to, to phase him. 
Uh, I think he came in and he, and he gave the Flyers an identity uh, once again that uh, we didn't have the last few years. Um, you know, and, and the players are all responding. Um, that's, that's, to me, what is probably the most impressive part is uh, everybody is stepping up. Um, there's nobody left behind on that team, it feels. The depth is, is being used. Um, and, yeah, we, again, the word swagger comes to mind when, when <laughs> I think about uh, L.A. Vigneault. Pretty sure he introduced that as well about this team. So he put that word in our mouth for sure, but it's a great word to describe them. One guy, Danny, that definitely plays to the Flyers' identity is, is Claude Giroux. Uh, I had a funny story uh, that he told us in the 2016 playoffs. He had mentioned that during his rookie year, before his first playoff game, you went up to him and you said, gee, just watch the first period. Guys are going to be running around. Just play your game. You be cool, calm, and play your game. And he said that always stuck with him. How cool is it now to see him go from this 21-year-old rookie to – the longest tenured athlete in the city. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and, you know, we, we all know it's not easy to, to survive uh, in this great town, um, you know, in the sports world. Um, he keeps doing it. Um, it's very impressive. He keeps maturing, um, you know, and, and now it's his team, and it's pretty cool to, uh, to see. Um, that was kind of my approach. I would always, uh, you know, in the first period, uh, in a playoff game, the first game of a series, you knew everybody would be running around trying to take each other's heads off. Um, you know, and my goal was just to survive that first period. And then as the play would kind of slow down and come back to a little more normal pace, uh, then I would be able to, uh, you know, play my game a little bit more. So that's, that was kind of the message. Uh, I didn't know that he, he was uh, listening or that he was still doing that, but that, that's pretty cool. Uh, Claude and I always, always had a, a great relationship. And, um, you know, it's really, really special to see him uh, play the way he has been, um, you know, since that 2000, I think it was 2009, 2010. Yeah. Uh, season. Awesome. Yeah, you, you mentioned this city. Uh, have to get into it. Just overall with Philadelphia, of course, it's such a unique fan base. What would be your favorite memory? And maybe something off of that, too, is, you know, you think of Montreal, who you're very familiar with. Uh, the atmosphere is on top of you, I've heard, when you're on the ice. And it gets in your head when, on, when you're on the road. So what do you think for opposing teams coming to play the Flyers at home? What do you think is the biggest thing that separates this Philly fan base? It, it was, you know, how, how I said crazy, uh, and I, I mean that in, in a good way. Um, you know, it was a little scary to come in and play for to be a visiting team to come and play in Philadelphia. And I know it's not the Broad Street Bullies like it used to be, um, but you're always a little nervous. You didn't know how the crowd was going to react. But I, I think my favorite memory of uh, to, to explain the Philly fans is. Um, in 2010, when we played game seven uh, in a comeback series against the Boston Bruins in Boston, and we had, you know, 15, 16,000 fans at the Wells Fargo watching the Jumbotron and, and cheering as if there were a game in front of them. And there's no players, there's nobody skating in front of them. Um, you know, and, and I, uh, a few, maybe a, a few weeks after this, the playoffs were over that year, I was re-watching some videos and then I fell on, on one of those videos where the play was happening in Boston and I saw the crowd going wild in Philadelphia with nobody playing in front of them. I thought that was um, it, amazing to see how passionate and, and how much they cared about um, how we were playing and what we were doing in Boston. So uh, that's to me the best way I can explain how passionate the, the Flyers fan and the Philly fans are. Love it.
That's awesome. Yeah, one guy, it seems like Philly certainly attaches themselves to players, Danny, just like you and some other big names in the organization. One guy it seems like fans are really starting to fall in love with is Sean Couturier. Just with all that he does, and he's been here for a while, it seems like he could uh, win the Selkie Trophy this year. I was just wondering what you thought about his chances at the Selkie and just his overall game in general. Well, honestly, I think he deserves it. I think he's um, you know, the, the player that deserves it the most in the NHL this season with his play, the way he's, uh, he's led this team in, in the right direction. Uh, we talked about Claude Giroux, but Sean Couturier is just as important to, uh, to this team. Um, you know, and that's what's so great with, uh, with the Flyers now with, uh, you know, Sean can play against, uh, any of the top lines around the league. Kevin Hayes can also play against any of the top players around the league. If you need Claude Giroux to, to, to play some shifts in the middle, he can also play against any of the best players around the league. And, um, that's a strength of the Flyers, but it, it starts in the middle with Sean Couturier. His overall play, how smart he is. Um, he seems to, to never make a mistake. He's always in good position. Uh, his stick work is fabulous in, in the defensive zone, and, and he's bringing it at the other end of, uh, of the ice as well. So a complete player. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a dream for, for any coach to have uh, on the bench for you. Yeah, you're talking about how well he plays against other teams' top lines, but just how well he, he as well plays with the Flyers. I mean, he can play with any player, make them look good, yeah. and that's what Elaine Vigneault said throughout the season. Mm-hmm oh, this guy doesn't have production, Jake Borachek being an example. Let's just throw him on a line with Couturier and something will happen, right? Yeah, it's, it's a great sign when, when you're that player that can make everybody go and uh, get out of a funk. It's, um, you know, he, he just makes people better around him. Um, I, I don't think there's a better compliment that you can give a player. Yeah, and with that, uh, we know Sean Couturier, the rest of these guys are wanting to get back out on their uh, ice and as Skate Zone is open. Maybe we'll be seeing that uh, soon. But as far as this timeline goes, it's a question I also wanted to ask. Just with the return to play plan, we have Phase 2 started up already, as I mentioned, and then Phase 3, the news coming out today, that will happen July 10th. And then maybe, I mean, there's speculations, okay, and you have to hope everything goes well for all of this to happen, and maybe we'll see playoffs start in August. Do you have any concern with the timeline of how things are going to happen and maybe affect next season? We hear the NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly saying that, you know, they would need at least 45 days before the start of next year. But we had Scott Hartnell on. He said this could keep going. you got to play catch-up for the next two seasons. Yeah, or, or if, unless they decide to always start the season in, in December uh, to January, who knows? Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of uh, seeing the Stanley Cup. So I would rather push next season, you know, a couple months uh, as long as we get to see a Stanley Cup champion and, and guys battling. I think for me, it's more about seeing the intensity, seeing the rivalry, seeing the best out of players because we, you know, we hear, and I really believe that I think it's the most grueling playoff system in, in any major sport. So uh, I'm excited that it, it's going to start. And if it has to push this next season back a little bit, then I'm all up for it. Hey, if there's a puck dropped, right? That's all we, that's all we Correct. want. <laughs> that's right. Awesome, Danny. Uh, I, I know for myself and Katie, this has been such a treat. Uh, when we think of Flyers playoff hockey, we, we think of Danny Breer. Oh, so yeah. uh, thank oh, you thank so you. much for joining us. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's always fun take, yeah, talking hockey and talking Flyers. So thanks for having me. Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk now.
Wow, what an unreal guy. Danny Briere, so fun to see him uh, around Wells Fargo Center, Jordan, and just a great insight to the game and a great insight to this team. Yeah, seriously, Katie. Obviously a former player who had a standout career, but you can tell yeah. how much he knows the game. Uh, I will not be surprised, and I don't think anyone will be, will be surprised if he continues to climb the ranks in the front office world. Um, he knows his stuff, and he's such a likable person, and what a great treat to have him on. Anytime we're talking playoff hockey, you want to talk to a guy like Danny Breer because he's been there, done that. Of course, and that's what you love to hear. It's just it's fun to see him, you know. All of Flyers fans know the 2010 playoffs and, and every other, you know, huge accolade he'd had maybe with the Flyers. Um, just postseason performer, Mr. Playoff, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, there's nothing like him now coming on and just being like, just hanging out with us on the Flyers Talk podcast. So, uh, right. once again, thank you to Mr. Danny Breer. Um, we mentioned this um, with him to Jordan, just the whole return to play format um, mentioned phase two. So, you know, right now let's you and I just elaborate a little more on this phase three for fans out there. There's been different phases throughout this return to play phase two was players can return to their practice facilities in their home cities. Don't want to be too repetitive here, Jordan, but we, we talked about it on the last episode. So we're seeing skate zone open up now phase three for the flyers. Um, and for the, all the 24 teams that will be uh, participating in this return to play format. Uh, phase three being training camps, team or formal training camps. July 10th is the date, Jordan. And how much have I talked about, can we just have a date? I mean, from the start of this, can we have a date on this? Can we have a date on this? And this isn't easy, of course. Um, but I'm really proud of you, NHL. Like, good job. I'm proud of you guys. You, you put a date out there. Um, and NHL Players Association and the players that are involved with that, James Van Riemsdyk being a big voice. They figured it out. Uh, they have a date, but Jordan, you can't really grasp onto it yet. That playoff idea, you know, there still has to be so many things that are good to happen, but you can be a little excited about this July 10th date, picturing the whole team back together, the band back together. The band back together. No, you're right, Katie. I think uh, fans share the same sentiment as you is congrats, NHL. Thank you for giving us a date. And I think <laughs> players do especially as well because it really gives themselves um, a timeline now. Now they can kind of map things out for themselves. They, can, they know, okay, July 10 is when this thing's going to get going. Um, let me start preparing. If I'm not back in my home city yet uh, for my team, team plays, I can start getting ready and really kind of ramping it up. Um, so I think that's a big thing. And then it really sets up uh, the NHL's timeline, too. Now you think about it, if they don't know the time frame for how long this training camp will be, it could be two weeks, maybe it's three, maybe it's, you know, seven to ten days. Um, but it, now, if, you know, say it's two weeks, that puts you back to July 24th. It gives you one week leading into August. And maybe that's when you uh, hope to resume play is August 1. Um, yeah. So a, a few different avenues the NHL can go. There's, there are still hurdles in place. They still have to find the right hub cities. Um, they still need to uh, outline the protocol for phase four in terms of the exact specifics on testing um, and all that. And then, of course, uh, once we even get to training camps, training camps have to go as planned. Uh, let's cross our fingers that everyone stays healthy and uh, nothing else happens. Um, so, yes, hurdles still to go, but it's great to hear it. They, it really is. Um, I think everyone now can kind of yeah. uh, fixate on that date and prepare. And gosh, training camp to see them back together would be would be really cool to talk about. Really cool to see, Katie. What do you think? Well, I was just gonna say that you know, gifts on Twitter, right? They have so many different unique ones. And I was like, initially when this news came out, I was like, I need some sort of gift here. But 
it, it was just so exciting. I didn't want to be too cheesy, Jordan, so I didn't do it, okay? But okay. I wanted to do like a Parks and Rec, you know, him going, <laughs> I'm really proud of you. That's why I thought of that with the NHL. Or uh, maybe just like a little like tearing clap. Like there's so many of those. Um, I, I just, there's so many different gifts to describe just such wonderful news of seeing a date that, you know, you could picture a whole team being together. You're excited about phase two. The, the players can take the ice. You know, we talked to Danny Breer about that. He's saying it's a great thing, of course, but having the idea of a full team and sort of um, really mirroring uh, what, you know, a, a preseason maybe would look like and having an actual training camp of instead of separated guys. Something I thought about, and I ended up not bringing it up with Danny because he sort of answered this, is the whole, like, we know playoffs are such a different beast, Jordan. And, and like, thinking about the agility and, and you're talking about the two-week time frame or how soon, we, we don't even know how, how much time they're really going to have. We'll have that idea, certainly, of the two weeks. Um, their bodies getting ready for, for such a playoff performance. And Danny Breyer knows that. He knows just how intense playoffs can be and how fun they are too. But as a player getting ready to go in a circumstance like this, having your time on the ice and you would like to think this is enough time, but I would just love to know two other players. Danny said, it's no concern. Um, you know, he would be ready to go. And you can imagine Couturier Giroux, everyone's excited to be playing and, you know, to have a chance at that cup Jordan, but it, it is sort of a, I, I wonder if there's certain players that have that concern, like, are they, are their bodies going to be ready? Are they, they going to have enough time to really get into this? I really do think it's a challenge. Um, I think eventually these guys are all immense competitors and they will get up for these games, but I don't think it's going to be easy. And for so many reasons, for, for one, this is so crazy. They've, no one's ever gone through this type of stoppage for this amount of time at this period. Um, if anything, when they stopped play, those players are so used to gearing up for the final stretch run and then this massive playoff. And then all of a sudden they had to go into their offseason essentially and keep themselves in shape without um, things that they normally have. And then now they're going to have to go from that to just gearing up for these huge games. Not only that, they're going to have to do this in front of no fans. Uh, I don't even know the, if players can recall the last time they played in front of no one. Um, it probably goes back to when they were a kid and the arenas were just their parents um, in, the, in the stand. So I think it will be a real true challenge. And I think that's what we'll make if this thing does get going again. Uh, the team that prevails and hoists the Stanley Cup, uh, I think they should be absolutely commended for it because these are circumstances uh, that it are incredibly different. Uncomparable. Uncomparable. Yeah. They really, really are. But I do think, and what Danny said, as, as a player and as a competitor – I think once they get out on the ice and you start seeing the pace and feeling it again, um, and you know what this means probably for your respective city, I, I think guys are going to get up and be juiced. But Katie, I wanted to ask you, and I found it very interesting that he felt like those round robin teams were at a bit of a disadvantage because, true, they are playing games that are important because these teams can climb in terms of seeding, but he really thinks those qualifying round teams have an advantage because they're, they're going to be playing a series that's going to feel like a playoff series. What did you think of that? I found that fascinating that he, that he pointed that out. Yeah, I agree with that to a certain extent. I think no matter what, uh, and I, this goes back to the initial start of this pause, Jordan, we were speculating, are they going to finish some regular season games? And in our minds, it's like, because initially you brought this up to me. I'm like, why would we want to finish the regular season? It doesn't matter. 
but you made the point of just, it's not about the points or numbers really. It's just about getting the, your feet under you again and getting ready and getting back in a game mode. With that, uh, yeah, you did mention his point. The round-robin teams wouldn't have as much of an advantage maybe as the, the other qualifying teams that would be playing in a series. I think three games is just enough. Like, I feel like that could be true to us. Of course, more hockey is going to benefit you, but you don't know how to look at this. Uh, of course, every team, as I said in the interview with him, and I've said several times, uh, it's an equal playing field. Everyone's fully healthy. Everything's going to be rocking and rolling for each team. So anyone's chance is now. I mean, they all have a chance at this cup. I feel like, hey, any games you can get, it's more than one. It's more than two. It is just three. But I feel like, you know, with those teams as well, thinking of the Flyers in that bunch, I don't think the round robin um, is going to be that much of a disadvantage. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Yeah, I think if there's one team, Katie, really that probably has the most frustration with the round robin is the Bruins. And that's because, yes, they will be playing competitive games and hopefully getting a good tune-up, but they can't help themselves. They can only hurt themselves. They have to win to stay where they are. Um, whereas if fans are looking or not trying to worry about their team in the round robin, getting motivated, enough, you think about it, these teams will be motivated. They will be looking at a chance to grab the number one seed. And if you think about it, what's a better tune-up for your first-round series than playing the other three best teams in the Eastern Conference. So, right. I mean, you're right into it. It's like, all right, hockey's back, puck drop, right. like top teams in the league right. coming right at you. The Bruins, they're getting the Lightning, and they're getting um, – That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, and they're it's getting – It's like the three Cowboys. games, but it's high level more than right. it would be playing against the Canadians or something else. Again, right. I know they're not fully playing, Right. You're not playing some team that's less in the league, or you're not playing a group of prospects in a preseason game. You're playing legit teams for a very uh, proper tune-up. So – uh, these will, I guess they'll have maybe somewhat of an exhibition feel because they're not going to be a do or die setting, but, uh, but it, it, it will be a, a really good tune up because you're playing the best of the best. Yeah. Jordan, just going off of what you said earlier too, in conclusion, whatever team is going to win this Stanley cup goes to you. The, the circumstances are so unique. Um, so many uncertainties to, to come, but you haven't had, you know, any time to hit the ice. It's not like a lockout. You literally can't go into an ice arena. Um, some players have had, you know, an additional outlet to go skate at, which is nice, but, um, most players haven't been able to, you know, do the same sort of off season training that they would have during this sort of time. And you're getting thrown back into it. Just all these circumstances, everyone knows so much about. Um, this Stanley Cup, whoever it's going to go to, I, I agree with that. Um, and I think a lot about as much as we would love to see it be the Flyers. Um, this goes for any, you know, GM or, or coaches or anything, but you are up to an ultimate test, something you've never faced in your career. The, the career that Elaine Vino has had in, throughout his coaching years, any player too, especially young players, Joel Farabee, welcome to the league. This is something you're never going to see again, but uh, it's here and now. And this could go for anybody's jobs throughout this uh, country, throughout this world. Um, this is something none of jobs and lives too. Um, something none of us could have prepared for, but you know what, these circumstances, if you can come out, you can win this Stanley cup, you can lead your team that way. Um, it really is going to be just a tip of the hockey helmet. And as my friend Jordan likes to always go to the stick taps, I, I like the stick taps, but when Jonesy said take of the tip of the hockey helmet, I just, I can't let that one go. Jonesy said it, Jordan. Jonesy says it. We go with it, Katie. <laughs> Katie, I, I want to say one other um, very cool thing I thought that made me think of these teams getting motivated to play with no fans. Danny Breer had a really cool point that 
he said when they came back to beat Boston in the playoffs that year, in that game seven, he said he eventually saw footage of the Wells Fargo Center, which I believe at the time was the Wachovia Center, was absolutely packed with fans just going crazy. And he said, like, that moved him. He was like, wow, like, this, is, this city is amazing. Like, he, so he didn't know. So if anything, maybe these teams, like, for me, I would think if I'm out there on that ice playing a big game with no fans, just envision families packed together in their homes going absolutely crazy when you score a goal or when you win a game. And I think that could really help players get motivated knowing like the whole city is behind them right now, even if they're not actually in physically in the arena. So I think that's one thing that stuck out to me. But nonetheless, we are excited for games, Katie, and excited to talk about games, whether there's fans or no fans. Uh, Always good to talk hockey and see your face, Katie. Uh, Thank you so much. You too, Jordan. You too, pal. Again, I'll Venmo you later for giving me that nice uh, compliment there, okay? Yeah, last time you only sent me 20, please send me 30. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, But thank you, Katie, again. And uh, a special thank you to Danny Breer for joining us. Fans, we hope you enjoyed it. And wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we can't wait to talk to you next time on the Flyers Talk Podcast. Talk, Steve. Stanley Cup playoff overtime hockey is the greatest thing going. Game four of the 2000 Eastern Conference semifinals proves that by being the longest game in the modern era of the National Hockey League. The game lasted over seven hours. Throughout the eight periods, players cramped up, had 10-second shifts on the ice, and the arena ran out of food, as told by Flyers play-by-play broadcaster Jim Jackson. They brought pizza up to us well into the night and they kind of surprised us they came back a little earlier than expected i said welcome back to civic arena here in pittsburgh and i look at dorney and he's got pizza coming out of the corner of his mouth sports uncovered presents the marathon on ice